לשידור ישיר ממחנה רמה בברקשיירס. Joining him, my good friends, Rabbi Jeremy Kalinowski, Anshay Chesed, New York City, Rabbi Barry Chesler, Salman Shechter Day School of Long Island. We're recording this in the week before Thanksgiving, and of course we're recording this also um, before the deliberations, or as the deliberations are taking place in the government of Israel on the release of hostages, uh, hostage negotiations. So our hearts are with our brothers and sisters in Israel. We're praying for the release of hostages. We're praying for an end to the misery that uh, these families are going through. Uh, we know that this, uh, so far, this hostage deal only includes a portion of them, the mothers and the children, um, as cruel as that might be, but but hoping that at least some of them will be free soon. I think uh, we all, we're always dedicating our study to them, and we're dedicating our study to people who are experiencing in a much closer orbit, everything that's going on. We are in solidarity with uh, Israel in a way that um, is is quite deep, and we talked about that in previous uh, our previous time. Just a second. And, and speaking of uh, Israel, a lot of the Parsha deals with the land of Israel, at least leaving the land, but but Jeremy... Wait, 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 I want, before we go on, yes, go ahead. the hostages, I picked this up. Oh my God! Bring I picked this up. I picked this up uh, at the Families Forum in Tel Aviv, the place by the Tel Aviv Museum where they have the they have the empty Shabbat table, and they have all these hundreds of of empty chairs, and there's a tent where the parents of hostages go, and they have pictures of their kids, and they talk about their kids. So they had these these T-shirts, and I bought them for all the members of my family. That's amazing. So. We are with Yaakov in Parshat Vayetze. He is at the beginning of this parsha. We know he's running away from he's running away from his family. He's running away from his brother, but he's running obviously also at the instruction of his parents to find a wife. He's got nothing. I always like to point out the fact that that there, there he's got nothing, nothing, nothing. He has this dream. We're not going to talk about the dream, the ladder, everything, the promise, uh, his consecration or his anointing of the rock right okay all of that these are such rich rich stories let's we're gonna we're gonna catch him right when he meets Rachel okay it's is the beginning of the second Aliyah chapter 29 verse 1 so he picks up or his feet pick him up and he lands in the east and all of a sudden he sees Vinay there's a, behold, a bear, basadeh, a well in the field. There are three flocks of sheep that are hovering about it because that's the, the well that everybody draws water from. And it goes on. Everybody gets there. The, the narrator tells us that that's the place where 
they all come together. And then when they all come together, they remove the stone that's covering the well. And then they dole out the water or they allow everyone to take their turns to to draw water. And they put the, the rock back on the uh the 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 opening of the the well and then yaakov sees these shepherds i think the the story is very rich i want to jump to to where he sees rachel rachel comes and these they talk about rachel rachel's coming with her sheep and then they're talking and talking, and he sees her, Rachel, ba imatzon. You can't resist the onomatopoeia there. Rachel, ba imatzon. Vayihi, verse 10, Ka'asher et Yaakov et Rachel. When he sees her, when Jacob sees Rachel, the daughter of Lavan, this brother of his mother, and the sheep of Lavan, the brother of his mother, he goes up to the well, he pulls off the rock that's on the mouth of the well, and he goes into action, and he's doling out the water for the sheep of his uncle Lavan. Right, so this is the Bible's way of telling us that at heart, Yaakov is a businessman. Okay, Why? Because everything is about the sheep. He sees Rachel, which means sheep, of course. Yeah. And he immediately converts that into the flocks that he's going to water in the sense so he can acquire them. Well, he also that's, is very emotional. Let's go to the very next that's, verse. Well, that's, that's good. That's that's good. I do want to go to the next verse. That That is good. I hadn't really thought of it that way. Um, I do think that at least one part of it, just to... First of all, to emphasize the thing that Barry said that, that many of our listeners won't know, that the word Rachel is a female sheep. So, okay. so that that is a, a very good observation in, in interpreting the story. But the second thing is, just to make sure everybody knows, at, at Haran, there's something weird, which is that at midday, which is mid, middle of the day, you're not bringing the, sh- the, the animals home from pasture for, for the evening, they're all sitting around the well waiting for the, the waiting for the the watering and he says what are, what are you guys doing he says well the stone is so big that it takes all of us to roll it off and so we got to get assemble all the all the whole bunch of shepherds to to roll it off and then we'll water it and then we'll roll it back because this is a you know team effort and so yaakov he sees her and he is filled with enthusiasm and power he can you know, leap tall buildings in a single bound, he does it all by himself, which I think is a pretty passionate, I, I, I go for the emotional content in a story like this, he's pretty passionate, and just seeing her opens it up. And then then we get at verse 10, was just, I want to point out, is Vayashk et tatson. he waters the tzon, he waters the sheep, and what's the next word? Vayashk. Vayashk, same letters, he kisses her. All right, so I want to take a, just a different approach to this and say this is a very strange, a strange procedure at a well, and and look, they're all waiting. They're all all these flocks and shepherds are waiting. They know who's who, and they know that she's coming. Okay, and it seems to me that there that he's walking in on a situation that has um, certain rules to it, 
And the reason why that there there are rules here is because you have it hovering in the background a lot of cheating, right? You have one resource, the well. The well has to be sufficient for everyone. And what can happen is if the well belongs to everyone, there could be one greedy flock that will take all the water. And and depending on how the water and the well renews itself. So they 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 have to come to an agreement and the the well has to be corked right in order so that they can distribute the water equitably yakov not only is he coming in and he's moved with great strength when he sees her you know to kind of show off and 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 be muscular but he he's all he also breaks the rules here he breaks the convention and this does not endear him to the people around him and yet he's trying to he's trying to kind of gain the attention of this very beautiful woman. Uh, and he's also trying to change the um, the order here, I think. This, this is really good because, first of all, it calls to mind that that Hebrew saying, rabbinic saying, love breaks the rules. Nice. And I, and I do think that Yaakov is breaking the rules, um, but also the rules are going to get broken on him. So... There's, there's a lot of complicated, um, you know, the, the text runs at at uh, cross purposes of rule breaking and rule following. So there's a lot going on. Good. But I Very good. Quick. Okay, so now let's talk about the emotion because he kisses her, which is also unusual, I think quite forward for an unknown man to kiss a woman in the middle of the Levant, okay, at this time. But he, he's he's discovered that she's his cousin. Okay. Um he raises his voice, he cries. So let me ask you this question, which is, you know, what's the what's the trigger here for for the cathartic emotion? I mean, this this is a this is a moment that is quite emotional. It's it's a burst. The dam bursts here. What do you think's going on? Well, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with the love at first sight quality of the story because Jacob is portrayed as completely loving her and and as we'll see in a moment, he works for seven years, and it just seemed like a few days because he loved her. Sure, son. okay, so so I'm, I'm going to go because with... he was busy cheating his father-in-law. Yeah. <laughs> but but the the classical readings are you know kind of more complicated. Like like Rashi, for example, quoting the Midrash notes. I mean, as as we have to know this, that that Rachel is going to die on the road to to Ephrati Beit Lechem. Uh, in childbirth, and she's not going to be buried in the cave of Machpelah with Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebekah, Jacob and Leah. So Rashi's reading, and based on that midrash, is that there's something tragic looming in the distance, and and I think that that's also a good reading. You know, he kissed, he, he cries. He might have this great love, and it's maybe not tears of joy. Maybe it's tears of foreboding. So he's crying for the destruction of the temples. <laughs> that's what it says also right? and that also comes up with Benjamin and Yosef yeah no he's crying you know because he, he he's given this gift of prophecy in which he sees destruction I mean you know we, we read that with a kind of wink but there's also a, a you know beautiful piece of wisdom there which is you know contained in this moment is destiny and destiny has tragedy to it I mean you know we, we don't need to to go too much to to our present moment but but you know, you, you, I've been watching closely and watching stories and people people who are getting married right now. And there, there have been so many stories about 
you know, these young men uh, going off to war. Sometimes they're young women, and and they they decide that they have to get married right away. And looming, you know, in the context of their marriage, is this catastrophe. And and in in one case that was reported on the in the on the news, it was they had just got up from Shiva. They had just got up. They planned the wedding and. Their, their parents were killed in the massacre and they just got up from Shiva and they decided that they have to they have to get married right away. And so the wedding took place on day eight. And you you know, of course, in, in, in an emergency, you can certainly you know do this and, and you can suspend all the laws and all the rules of Avelut for the sake of, of um, marriage and in, in this Sha'at HaDechak moment, which of course Israel is in and you know, how do you even begin to uh, parse out the emotions? And that's, I, my, when I when I read that he cries, I'm thinking like, it's just not one, it's, all, it's not only one thing. I want to stay with this image, though, of crying for the temple. Because what we have here then is a period of time before the temple when people are crying over it, and a period of time after its destruction when people are crying over it, which only emphasizes, to me at least, the catastrophic loss of the temple, that without it, we are always crying, whether we come before or after. Yeah. And so that it would be projected in the rabbinic imagination all the way back to Jacob, that he has, uh, he's mindful of of the unfolding cycles of Jewish history. I mean, you know, that that seems stunning. That's that's really, that is really quite rich. I mean, yes, we, we do kind of, at least I do kind of, you know, wink at filtering everything through the the korban of the temple, but it, it is it is because it's projected back to the ancestor. It is like saying, okay, our conception of the cycles of Jewish history are going to be loss and exile, and that's and Jacob is right here um, in a space of loss and exile, having been, you know, yeah. harana, he has to leave the land of Israel and goes and this, in this this is Zohar harana. In, in Aramaic means the other place or the other person, like the Sitra Achra, the other side. So the Zohar on this Parsha, it, it's a meditation on evil in the world. Jacob leaves the place of order and goes into the other place. What well, about okay, so here. Jacob also is the paradigmatic patriarch in the sense that he's exiled twice. Yeah. He's exiled to the northeast. And to the southwest, which also prefigures so much of Jewish history. What about the idea that he's got nothing? There's a midrash that says he's crying because he's measuring himself up against Abraham and and the servant. The servant comes. I love the the, the contrast. The servant comes with camels, with gold and silver, with you know rings, nose rings, and jewelry, and armbands, and wristbands, and clothing, etc., and bags and bags and bags of cash. And he's got nothing. He's got two nickels. He's got <laughs> nothing. And so the midrash says that he's crying because he has nothing. And and how is he going to how is he going to win the favor of this woman? That's that's a, that is an awesome awesome <laughs> addition to the conversation because it's exactly we know. Husbands always find wives at wells. That's how the Bible stories go. Okay, fine. And, and so this, so this story is that you're this this midrash that you cite is just such a perfect thing because we know we're supposed to read this one 
in conversation with the one we just read a few chapters exactly, ago. Exactly. It's, it's just exactly. perfect. It's just perfect. And, and so there's there's poverty there, but but you know, he we'll see this at the beginning of next week's parsha. He he understands something. Look, we we have some criticism of Yaakov, certainly. We you know, Barry, you you said that he's always looking for the deal. And of course, part of part of the emotion here is that he understands that he's really at the bottom. He's got nothing. And how is he, you know, this is like Muttle the tailor and Fiddler on the Roof, you know. How am I going, you know, I'm going to marry him off to a tailor? He's got nothing, right? But he, but he works his way up and he gets that singer sewing machine. You know, it occurs to me, it's more like what makes Sammy run, the, the Abe Khan novel, that, um, you know, Jacob often comes off as a man on the make. And, you know, he achieves much, but he pays a tremendous price for it. And other people pay the price for it, too. Yeah, You know, he's not, uh, part of his tragedy, I think, is that he brings pain and suffering to the ones that he loves, not just himself. So let's let's take a, a, one, a, the next frame, which is she, he tells her, by a get Yaakov Rachel, he tells Rachel that Achi Aviha, who, that he is the brother of her father, not exactly, but the daughter, he's the son of his his, his father's sister, Vichiven Rivkahu, that here it is, he is the son of Rivka, Vatarots Vataged Lavia. She runs home and she tells Now, him, the question is, what does she tell her father? Yes, exactly. Okay. So you know, that's so fascinating because the Torah just says, all right. So she related yeah, messages. But his father, she they 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 have the memory of wealth. Okay, Lavan has the memory of wealth, and she's running home, and she must know something about this, right? Something about the way Aunt Rebecca was taken over. But there's something else there, too, because when Rivka left, it was with the understanding that she wasn't coming back, and now the sun shows up. Right, but there's wealth there. They had, they, they must be like on the mantle, you know, something that reminds them of Rebecca, you know, or, or, Maybe they were able to buy a, a bigger tent because they were they were loaded afterwards. They there was a tremendous transaction that that happened when the servant gave you know took took Rebecca with them and and maybe Levan Levan who is interested only in wealth is interested in finding his uh, his relative Jacob for the sake of acquiring wealth from him. Okay, Vayarots Likrato he. Uh, this is verse 13. So he hears this, and he runs to greet him. I love the fact there's a Midrash that says he's he's patting him down. Yeah. <laughs> he pats him down. He's looking for his for, for money in his pockets. Kisses him. And he brings him into the house. And, and Jacob tells uh, Lavan everything. And and. You know what's so fascinating here is I, I, I'm so rooted in the previous story where the 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 the, the servant is such a, a magnificent storyteller, and Jacob is not. Jacob, there's nothing. There's nothing. Well, so I think you have to cut Jacob a little bit of slack because the narrator is the narrator is not slack. giving him any space. Because what does it mean that Jacob tells narrates all these things? 
Does he say, Uncle Levon, I'm here because I cheated my brother twice and he wants to kill me. Maybe I can find refuge with you. I'm looking for love in the right place because my father tells me Canaan is the wrong place. Okay. Well, look how Levon responds to him. He says, which of course is filled with the the irony that that and literary you know richness right you are my bone and you are you are my flesh you're, you're we're the same person we're the same guy right and yeah. that's why a man leaves his husband his mother and father and cleaves to his uncle <laughs> <laughs> so just to just to explain that that's what Adam says at the creation of Chava. You are bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Levan says it here, and it, it is, but I, I think it is right on to say, Levan, Yaakov, peas in a pod. They got some of the same, they got some of the same sneakiness being on the make, uh, Sammy Glick. Do you think that he's already sized him up here? Who? Levan, yeah, who? Do you or think Levan has sized up Yaakov here? Yeah, because the story works. Because there is going to be a little karmic payback to Jacob, um, the story works only if Levon really does know who he's dealing with. Yeah. Well, Yaakov comes off as something of a rube. He thinks he's sophisticated, but Levon is more than his match. And in fact, the only thing that really bails Yaakov out at the end is that God intervenes so that Levon doesn't well, you, you know, Yaakov's cleverness in the end is going to be. First of all, I want to want to call call attention to a certain Bible scholar that I know, uh, to whom I'm related by marriage. In her book, uh, "Dangerous Sisters of the Hebrew Bible," uh, Amy points out that that the sisters of Rachel and Leah, even though they're competitors, they they throw their weight at the end of the whole story when Jacob says, we got to get out of here. We got to, got to go back to Canaan because your father's cheated me 10 times. They go, we're with you. And they throw their weight with the husband that, it, and they undermine their own uh, paterfamilias for the sake of their husband. So, but along with that is Jacob's tremendous cleverness because he pulls off this crazy, little magical a a animal husbandry thing where he which no one understands he manipulates the ma manipulates the color of the the flocks which whatever there's there's some sort of thing which does you, you can't you can't actually <laughs> change the color of the sheep by by feeding them chestnuts but um he he pulls it off with enormous sophistication and cleverness and so this it's like oceans oceans 11 is what Yaakov pulls off some stunt and and so undermines and and bamboozles Levant. but I I do think that um, the sneakiness of each party in the course of this is is like comic and almost fun because when Levan right like so he's patting him down and he knows that the previous guy came with all that stuff that you said all the camels and the retinue of other servants and the gold and the silver and and all the stuff and Jacob as as we said he crosses the crosses the Jordan with nothing but a stick. Um, he's got Zippo. So Levon comes along and says, okay, well, this verse 15, okay, just because you're my kinsman, you shouldn't work for free. How shall I pay you? You just know that the guy who's saying, let's work out something fair is going to be massively unfair. All right. So then we'll move to the to the the, the clincher verse. Ula Levan, 
Shtevanot. He's got two daughters, Lavan. Shema Gdola Leila, Leah. The eldest is Leah, the, the younger is Rachel. And then verse 17, Vene Leah Rakot. The eyes of Leah are what? Soft or weak. Weak, soft. Virachel Haita, Yefat Toar, Yefat Mare. And she is of beautiful to look at and a beautiful form. Right. So what I would suggest is that the way to understand it is that when the two women appear together, everyone is looking, even staring at Rachel because of her beauty, and no one is paying much attention to Leah. So it's not a description of Leah's physical appearance, but the way other people look at her physical appearance. I think to, to support this, but I would make it a little bit tighter syntactically, um, ayin can mean the organ of sight, but it can also mean the appearance. So, for example, mana is ke'en habedolach. It looks like whatever bedolach is. Modern Hebrew, it's crystal, but whatever it is in Bible times. And and ke'en ha'techelet, ein ha'techelet means the blue color. So then I would say ene lea rakot might be construed as Leah's appearance was weak, while Rachel's not that not that her her enayim not that her that her right. uh, optical nerves are bad, but that her that her appearance is weak in compared with the smoking hot sister. Well, wait a second. Well, you know why wouldn't we go for the reading that this is a euphemism and this is simply biblical par- parallelism, antithetical parallelism, where the first part of the verse is opposite the second part, or more broadly, the second part is, you know, opposes the first part. And and vene uh, le'ah rakot simply is a euphemism for she she wasn't much to look at. Possible? No, I I, I agree with that. But do we, I, have, do we ever have that in the Bible? Can you think of another ugly person in the Bible? I mean... Well, Eov in chapter 3. Yeah. Mm-hmm. After well, he gets the boils. Asav is, uh, I think that the 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 claim, the claim that Asav comes out of of the womb all hairy and red, is a is a mocking physical description, right? Well, also I think when Ishmael is described as a wild man, um, that also is a I think a negative thing. Well, we do have you know the character traits of. Uh, the physical character traits of the matriarchs, uh, Sarah, Rebecca, and now Rachel, all of which who are described in in various degrees of, of beauty. And we'll note, of course, that that Yosef, later on, he will be referred to in the masculine of that, possibly, he's not the only character that that um, uh, mm-hmm. is referred to that. But isn't David described so David, David, yeah. David is, is, is Tovro-i. You know he he is uh, nice to look at. Yeah, he's 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 gorgeous. And Eliyahu Navi, oddly enough, there's a scene in which Elisha, somebody comes to Elisha, Eliyahu's student. I think it's Elisha, and and says that we have this crazy thing. This guy appeared, and he goes, "Oh, what was he a really hairy guy wearing a hairy coat?" And they go, yes. Oh, that was that was Eliyahu. Eliyahu is like the one character who you get a description <laughs> like like that. That that you know, whatever. <laughs> he's he's just Grizzly Adams. 
All right, so let's move on to the next verse, which is, Vayehav Yaakov et Rachel, he loves Rachel, and he says, I'll work for seven years, for your youngest daughter. And then Lavan says this, the, you know, this lovely line, Tov titi ota lach, mititi ota leish acher shvaimadi. Okay. <laughs> Who cares? Better I should give her to you than another man. Uh, so stay with me. And so the thing is, we, we've already seen examples of the other men in this story. They, they've been at the well, okay? They These are not uh, specimens of human maleness or they're not people that that you would be you would be wanting to give your daughter to okay the fact that she is unmarried at this point only suggests that up until now there have been no suitable uh suitors for her and um there there are a lot of uh factors here that are in confluence here the fact that we have a relative the fact that we have this person who's willing to work, um, and and he seems to be the best out of at least the the lot that. Well, is but again, there's a pragmatic element here that goes beyond the relationship between Yaakov and Rachel, because I think this is the Torah letting us know that Laban knows a lot more of the backstory than we think he does, because mm-hmm. Yaakov actually has to stay with him. He's in no position to go back home because, uh, you know, it's a fate that is death, as far as he knows. So this is Levan telling him, sure, you could stay here. I've got good use for you. And he kind of takes advantage of him, even with this first deal. Because what kind of a bargain is that, to work seven years for a woman? (laughs) Well, seriously. I mean, it's a long so, time. It's got to wait. It's a long time. Um, but I would say two two things about this. First of all, um, I will work for seven years. Berachel Tana, the way it is classically read, and even even today, modern Hebrew, Berachel Tana is like an idiom for "I want to spell this whole thing out." So the the midrash way of reading it is. You know, I want to work for Rachel. And by the way, it's not some Rachel from the Shuk. It's Bitcha. It's your daughter. And by the way, it's not either of your daughters. It's the younger one, because he knows that Levan is going to manipulate. So he he wants to he wants to put a fine print out. And then and then Levan says something obnoxious. All right, well, it's as good as this one as another. And and uh, you know, it's kind of just like, who cares? I'll give her to you. Or compare the contrast that to what Levan and Bituel said when the servant does with Rivka, they say, um, they say, God's got a plan here, which maybe maybe even in that scene back in chapter 24 is, is a little grumbly, like, what are you even pretending to ask us? This is out of our hands. But here, I just think that he's, you know, he could have said, listen, God has brought us together once again, and, and I'm glad for our families to be. He says, ah, right, well, Whatever, I'll give her to you. So what? And I, I just think the Levon comes off as being kind of indifferent. Okay, so then the seven years go by, and we have this beautiful romantic poetic line, and these seven years were to him like seven days with his, in his love for her. And then 
Vayomer Yaakov Levan, it's not poetic here. Havayatishti, give me my woman. Kimalu Yamai Vavoyalea. So the days, because the days have been fulfilled, and uh, I will be able to consummate with her. Why do you think, that, let me translate that, he gathers everybody up and he makes the drink fest. He makes a big party. So what do you think he's doing here? Why is he, you know, he, he knows what he's doing. He knows he's going to cheat his uh, future son-in-law out of the right, out of the promised woman. Why is he doing it in public? Or or does he have a choice? Or is this just the, the custom of, 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 of what you do at a wedding? Or hadn't thought about, hadn't thought about it, but hadn't thought about this question before. But um, it adds to the dramatic and comic effect. He's got this big, gigantic feast, Pardon. and he's going to embarrass the hell out of Jacob. Because now Jacob, Jacob's now. If, if if they had had a little silent wedding, and Jacob uh, got tricked in the way that he's tricked, yeah. he could have said like, "No deal." But now everybody in town knows about it. And so he's he's going to show back he's going to show his face back again, and he's really he's got a big cream pie in the face. So so I just want to I I want to piggyback on that and say, Levan, he 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 he's not a man known for his honor. Okay, his father I think Betuel was an honorable man. Everybody has Levan's number. Okay, and and it's not that everybody's in on the con here. But they 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 know that they have to be present at the party because it's the his daughter is getting married. So he he feels he's got an obligation to make a public statement, and I don't think he really cares about his reputation in front of people. And and he he grounds his behavior in a in a kind of quote unquote norm, right? The norm is look, we don't do that here. You know, how could you expect So I think though that we we might not entirely downgrade Levan because he's in competition with this young upstart who's coming in with his newfangled idea, right? We really haven't heard of people marrying for love before, and saying that uh I'm the new kid in town. And Levan is going to make sure that Yaakov knows he may be the new kid in town, but this is my town, not yours. Yeah. And we're going to do things my way. And, you know, it may be <laughs> take you a little while to learn this, but don't worry, you'll get the message. It's uh, Gordy Howe to Bobby Orr with the elbow. Welcome to the NHL. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we, we have to wrap it up, but, but uh, you know, the... The, the great moment of the story is that uh, he goes to sleep and lo and behold, he wakes right, up. And that's why the party also is important because if Jacob is not in full possession of his faculties, shall we say, it's easier for this uh, ruse to work. Ruse to work. Very nice. Well, we, yeah. we barely touched the surface here. Of course, he wakes up and he discovers that it's Leah and he gets very upset. And then the story unfolds from there where he'll marry Rachel and the Parsha will continue and tell us about... Right. So, so no, there's one other thing we have to mention. Yeah, 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 yeah. go ahead. I got one thing too, so you say okay. one Okay, so my thing is this. So, you know, Jacob, of course, is upset, and Laban says, we don't do this here. We marry the older one first. And he tells him, so you'll have the week of the wedding with Leah, and then you can marry Rachel. 
So he knew all along that this was going to happen because the original deal, he made Jacob work for seven years. Now, all of a sudden, he's getting them both married off within a week and his hands are clear. Yeah, but he gets he gets Jacob to commit for another seven years. He gets Jacob to work for another seven years. But he does. I, I, and I just wanted to say that the, uh, the, the only thing I wanted to add was that the Bible's favorite storytelling technique of Midah Kenegad Midah, uh, karmic payback, is Jacob deceives his father with a clothing trick so that the younger supplants the older brother. And Lavan trips Jacob with a clothing trick. And he says, well, it's not done here to put the younger. It's not done. Maybe you guys do this, 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 you know, sleazy stuff back in Canaan. But here in Padan Aram, we don't do that. Uh, We, we, the young, the olders take precedence over the younger. So Jacob just gets smacked. And and of course, he's going to get tricked on later once again, when a clothing trick happens with Joseph and the coat of many colors, and so there's a there's a uh, and and Joseph is tricked with the with the Poti, Mrs. Potiphar and his clothing. So there's just a wonderful richness of storytelling that is about deception and clothing all throughout these these stories. Right. Well, we're in we're this in. This is why Jews went into the shmata business. This Indeed. is why. And we talked about Muttel Kamsel the tailor. Tailor also the shmata business. Very nice. Very nice. Well, we have to bring this to our conclusion, and we want to thank our many, many people who are watching and listening to us. We really, really appreciate the time that you spend. We're enjoying it. We hope that we can give people a kind of diversion during some very challenging times for Klal Yisrael, for Midianat Yisrael, for our brothers and sisters. And we hope that Torah gives that comfort. It certainly does for us, gives us a little uh, a little ray of light, a little piece of joy in, in a difficult time. And we hope you have a beautiful Shabbat. And, we look, and a beautiful Thanksgiving if you're going to see this before Thanksgiving. And we look forward to seeing you again on a future edition of Parsha Talk. Have a good Thanksgiving and a beautiful Shabbat Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom.